Welcome, friend. I hope you're well. You're listening to the Mr. X Dreams Podcast, where I regale you with stories of all things paranormal. Now, whether these stories come from my listeners, my own personal and family experience, or fictional stories from my own imagination, all stories you'll hear here are written and performed by yours truly. Make sure you follow this podcast for countless journeys to come. If you're listening on a rating-supported platform, like Apple iTunes, a five-star review would be very much appreciated. If you have a scary story of your own, reach out at mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. That's mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. And share your story with me. You might even hear it on a future episode. Now, sit back, relax, and spend a moment or two here in my world. I'm Mr. X, and welcome to my dreams. This episode is a part of a series of my older recordings I did for the Mr. X Dreams YouTube channel. If you're listening to the podcast version, please excuse references to YouTube and subscribers and things like that. Consider it a relic of the past. If you're the type to prefer visuals along with your stories, I usually put artwork and motion graphics to go along with the experience. You can find those videos over at youtube.com by searching Mr. X Dreams. We'll talk again soon. Greetings, friends. A man I'll call Baker has been driving trucks most of his life, transporting heavy equipment for a major company in New Orleans. At least four days a week, new shipments come into the port of New Orleans, needing to be delivered as soon as possible to various destinations, which keeps him busy going back and forth on the long highway road. Late one Thursday night, a shipment came in that had to be delivered the same day. Baker said he got to the port of New Orleans at 8.30 p.m. and had to wait until midnight for the equipment to be loaded onto his truck before heading out. The route was familiar to him. He could drive it in his sleep if he wanted to. It was simple and he'd made the trip countless times without complications or accidents. However, as he drove on into the morning... Baker saw something that would forever change him. He said he was on Louisiana Highway 1, a few miles outside of Golden Meadows when he saw it. It was around 1.30 a.m., and the early rays of sunrise were just beginning to illuminate the shoulder of the road. A tall, dark figure with green light reflecting in its eyes stood there, seeming to stare at him. His first reaction was to dismiss it as his eyes playing tricks. He'd had problems with that in the past, but as he approached, he turned his high beams on, and the reality of the situation became undeniable. Near the wild overgrowth off the highway, a dog-like animal stood on its hind legs. The creature stood erect, focusing not on the truck, but Baker himself as he approached at high speed. As he got close, Baker could see another monstrous dogman emerging from the bush, also pausing to notice him. In the midst of the unbelievable situation, Baker was shaken even more when one of the dogmen raised its arm to shield its face, 
when his high beam shined into its eyes. Nearly in a panic, Baker slammed his foot on the gas pedal and sped past the two bizarre creatures. He saw their dark silhouettes crossing the road cautiously as they shrunk steadily in his side view mirror. Baker mentioned that he always thought of himself as open-minded when it came to the paranormal, but after being confronted with such a chilling encounter, even driving 80 miles per hour, he's already been just about as close as he'd ever want to get. While going over the interview from Mr. Baker, my memory was jarred, and I recalled a story of my own that I'd like to share with you. It was during one of my last rotations in Afghanistan, a miserably bitter cold winter. I was with a team doing some reconnaissance out in no man's land, when a figure caught my eye, contrasting against the pure white landscape of the snow-laden desert. It was a man on a motorcycle riding intrepidly along an icy road. I watched him from afar as he merrily made his way across the frozen land until I saw two other figures approach him. The figures bounded through the deep snow off the shoulder of the road, one in front of the other, closing distance and racing toward him. Before they were able to clear the drift and get onto the road, he turned his head and spotted them. He immediately leaned in on his motorcycle to speed up, but his machine could only carry him so quickly in the icy conditions. The creatures were abnormally large, far too enormous to be mistaken for even the most fearsome of local dogs. They ran on four legs and had gigantic heads, with what appeared to be wide floppy ears dangling from the sides. When I tried focusing in on them, I could make out coarse, brown and gray fur that seemed to cover a massively muscular body that looked more human than canine in nature. The sight was surreal to the point of confusion. I actually started to chuckle a bit at how unbelievable the normal mission had suddenly become. They caught up with him and began charging at his bike, repeatedly slamming their bodies into it as if trying to knock him off. They took turns snapping and biting at his legs as he kicked frantically to stave them off, occasionally being forced to use his other foot to keep his bike from tipping over. The dogmen continued their reign of terror on the poor man for what appeared to be at least two miles before they trailed off back into the thick snow and came to rest near a tree line. As the first one leapt in toward the trees, it stood up and looked out at the other one. Being a military man, I instantly recognized the behavior as having the distinct feeling of a signal or communication of some sort. The two rejoined each other and disappeared into the bush. Greetings, friends. Even though my channel is relatively small, I get several emails every day from you, my loyal followers, old and new. I do my best to answer each and every one thoughtfully, in time. Many of the emails I receive have to do with things that are, in a manner of speaking, common knowledge. Dogmen, shadow people, hauntings, witches, and many others. Not to say that these things happen to everyone, but at least they are recognizable phenomena. Every so often, though, I come across a story, an encounter with an entity or cryptid that I cannot quite define, 
something that cannot easily be classified according to the common knowledge of hidden things in this world. Here to help me explore these unusual cases found among the already truly bizarre is my good friend Mr. Davis. While you listen to the stories, try to imagine what on earth these poor souls may have come into contact with, and let us know your thoughts in the comments section below. Here we go. A Hand in the Dark Dear Mr. X, My name is DJ. I'm not the best storyteller, but I'll do my best to explain what happened to me. First off, my family is very poor, so we can't usually pay our electric bills. Instead, we use a generator. It was around 2 or 3 in the morning one day, and I was lying on the couch playing on my iPad. Now, I know what you're thinking, but I got the iPad before we fell on hard times. Anyway, my cat was sitting on my shoulder, and we were kind of just hanging out. I was in a good mood, enjoying the moment until the generator suddenly sputtered out. The room went pitch black, and this weird feeling of dread came over me. I had the great idea to use my iPad as a light to look around the room, just to comfort myself, when a loud bang tore through the air. As I turned around with the light facing forward, I saw a large human hand shoot toward me, seemingly coming out of nowhere. I barely caught a glimpse of the hand's dark form as it quickly latched onto my cat, pulling it away from me and back to the nowhere from which it came. I was simply in shock, wondering what in the world I had just witnessed. My body was frozen solid, still lying on the couch. Even though I wanted to move and fight, my mind was powerless. I think I must have laid there for at least half an hour before summoning the will to call out for my father to bring a gun and a flashlight. He ran in seconds later with a gun and we both searched the house thoroughly. We never found the cat. Does anyone know what this is? A quick note, my friends. I contacted DJ via email to get a few more details on this story. A better description of the hand, where they lived, the fate of the cat, and other things. Unfortunately, though, he never responded. The Burned Man Hey there, Mr. X. My name is Jesus. Let me start by saying that just like everything you hear on the internet, what I say shouldn't be taken with a grain of salt. I'm a very skeptical person myself when it comes to things like what I'm about to tell you, so I understand if you don't believe it. I wouldn't either if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. This happened last year. My sister and I were out one late night looking for my dog. She bolted out of the house escaping from an open door. Our search took us into a large alleyway back behind my home. My mother's car was parked in the driveway, which was off to the side of the house. As I walked past the car, turning the corner to go toward the front of the house, this extremely tall human form just emerged and casually walked out from behind the car. I didn't have much time to react, so I almost didn't take mental notice of it, but after thinking about it for a moment, I realized that it was definitely not normal. I know that sounds odd, but it was this surreal feeling as if the situation wasn't even happening in real life. You need to understand one thing. I was turning my eyes and head as I saw this thing, and by the time I was able to do a double take and look again, it was gone. That's how little time I had seen it. As my eyes continued their natural path, scanning across the yard, I could see some details. It was shaped like a large man of average weight and build. It was completely naked, a mass of sickly orange and red stained flesh. 
It seemed to have no face, and its skin was melted, dripping with small shanks of meat, slapping against its body as it walked. There was this disgusting wet shimmer on it, reflecting the streetlights around it. Like I said, by the time I took a second look, the thing vanished completely. I stopped in my tracks and stood there dumbfounded for a minute afterward. There was no smell, no sound, or anything else other than the brief image of this monstrosity. A quick side note. I saw another thing with the same horrifying look, only shaped like a kangaroo instead of a man, hopping through my neighbor's backyard a few days later. Just like the man, it made no sound at all. I didn't bother trying to explain any of this to my sister. It's hard enough maintaining her respect without talking about insanity like this. The Terror of Beckley Manor Dear Mr. X, It's me, Aaron, from YouTube. As I said before, I'm a good example of a hard-nosed skeptic when it comes to the subject matter of your channel. I once considered anyone claiming to have come into contact with a so-called strange creature to be either severely unbalanced or misidentifying a known animal, like a black bear walking on its hind legs being mistaken for a sasquatch, or something like that. So for most of my life, I didn't believe in anything I couldn't rationalize with my own eyes. Nothing whatsoever. But something happened in my life. After all this time, something I could not explain with conventional wisdom or reason. One evening, I was alone in my apartment in Victoria, British Columbia. I had been suffering from mild bouts of insomnia, nothing too profound, just waking up in the middle of the night, being unable to get back to sleep. This time, I woke up to go to the bathroom and had been in bed staring at the wall for over 20 minutes. I was lying on my side facing away from the door to my room. My point being, I was absolutely very much awake. I began to hear a soft creaking from the hardwood floors in the hallway outside my door. Footsteps. At that point, I tensed up. I won't get into what I used to do for a living before becoming a biologist, but it involved the use of guns and hand-to-hand -hand combat to protect clients. I say that to demonstrate to you that I am accustomed to fighting, and that there have been moments where my life depended on my ability to perform under pressure. I tried to react with my normally sharp reflexes once I was positive that there was someone in the hall, the old wood creaking under the weight of a person. When I tried to turn my head, I found that I was completely immobilized, unable to move at all, still facing the wall and lying on my side. I heard the footfalls clearly as they approached and stopped at my door, directly behind me. Now. This is the strangest part. I felt a heavy hand come down on my hip, and another on my shoulder, followed by what felt like a forehead rest on my ribcage. As I lay there, helpless, a thought crossed my mind that I'll never forget. Oh my god, this is actually happening. No one else was in my apartment that night. I would have known. And yet, there I was, being grabbed by this unknown entity. The terror that surged through my mind and body was excruciating, a pure 10 out of 10. The forehead moved back and forth against my ribs, making me feel molested and used. The fear was debilitating, 
The thing began to rock my body backward and forward, using its three points of contact, both hands and its head, with each motion more violent than the last. My mind was reeling with rage and horror. I tried desperately to scream, to move or at least see what was accosting me in the dark. All I could feel was the three cold points pressed uncomfortably into my skin. They were so cold that I could feel the heat sapping from my body, even through the blankets. Eventually, the rocking became so violent that it rolled me over completely so that I was facing the direction where the thing was, but there was absolutely nothing there. The sensation of the hands and head on me were gone instantly, and I was able to move. The first thing I instinctively did was to scream at the top of my lungs for a good minute at least. One of my neighbors even called me the next day to make sure I was okay. They knew I lived alone and wanted to make sure I didn't hurt myself somehow. I know I didn't see anything, but the thing shook me with the same force that you would use to wake someone who had passed out. It was the scariest thing I've ever experienced, and believe me, that's saying a lot. I've since moved a few blocks away from that place, but I can see it from my balcony right now as I write this. It's called Beckley Manor on Dallas Road, Victoria, if you're curious. I believe it was built in the 60s. Ocean view, right on the water. Nice place, but I'll never set foot there again. Hello there, Mr. X. My name is Venus. I'm a 33-year-old female, and I have a story for you which I've never shared with anyone. I, I mean, I guess my husband knows about it, but... He doesn't know everything. It's a long story, so I'll just tell you everything and, and let you sort it out. What you do with this information is entirely up to you. Please keep in mind that English is not my native language, but I'll do my best. Ever since I was seven years old, maybe even earlier, I've been followed by an entity. It's like some kind of leech attached to my soul for as long as I can remember. I would see him both in my dreams and while I was awake. He used to appear in the small apartment I lived in with my family, scaring my little brother and me half to death. If you could only see a glimpse of him, you'd understand why. In the earlier days, he took the form of a morbidly obese dwarf with a long nose, pale skin, and dark eyes. He had long, greasy black hair as well. He would never talk to me. He just seemed to stare and watch everything I did with an intense curiosity. At night, he would enter my dreams and follow me wherever I went. I wasn't free from his constant observation, even in my own sleeping mind. When I turned 13, the nature of the leech changed for what seemed to be the better. One evening, as I was outside playing hide-and-seek with some friends, I saw a glimpse of someone hiding, a dark figure dipping just out of my sight and into a dark, fenced-in alleyway between two properties. When I drew closer to the spot, I felt a chill... I felt a chill go down my spine, telling me it was a bad idea, but I really wanted to catch whoever was hiding there. 
I stepped onto the curb leading into the alley and I heard a voice whispering for me to come in. The voice was too deep to belong to one of my friends, so I got spooked and turned away. But just as I did, a grown man sprang out and grabbed me, pulled me into the dark area. He did things to me that I, I cannot mention. He pinned me down and abused me. He kept going on and on until something forcibly pushed him off of me, allowing me the chance to escape. That was the day my childhood ended. I firmly believe it was the leech that saved me. I made sure to avoid my friends as I staggered home that night. I was crushed, so humiliated and afraid that I could not even bring myself to tell my parents about what happened. I went to sleep with the image of my attacker, that rapist, burned into my retinas. As soon as I was asleep, I dreamt I was standing atop a high building, and the leech was there with me, closer than ever. For the first time, he spoke to me. I had an armful of toys that he began to place all around the concrete floor. When he was done, he opened up his hand to me to reveal a pink plastic ring. One like you'd get from a 25 cent vending capsule machine at a toy store. If, if you, you take this, this everything, everything will be better. better. If, if you come, come with me, everything, everything will be better. better. His voice was terrifying in my mind. I refused him and I was immediately kicked out of the dream. I shot up in my bed and found myself sweating and panting. I was never afraid of him until that night. After that day, he appeared far less often, occasionally turning up to scare my mother or brother by popping up in the corner of their eye. He would appear in my dreams rarely, but only to watch me from far away. From time to time, he would approach me to raise his hand, offering gifts, but never said anything. This went on for two years. When I was 15, he would show up in my dreams. But I noticed he was suddenly much taller and slimmer. Anytime I had an issue with family or school, something that made me upset or uncomfortable, he would return to me with some kind of offer to help. For some reason, I got the bright idea to start using a Ouija board to try and communicate with him while I was awake. I didn't think it was working until I started hearing his voice throughout the day whispering my name at random times, especially when I would start to fall asleep. One night I dreamt of being in a jungle where he appeared and embraced me, kissing me on the cheek and neck. The sensation was incredible, beyond anything I had ever felt in real life, and I surrendered myself to him. I allowed him to make love to me. The feeling he gave me overshadowed his grotesque appearance, with endless waves of pleasure washing over my body. When I woke up, the euphoria was instantly replaced with deep dread, realizing what I had done. The next morning, I told my mother I had been having nightmares and I was afraid. She told me it was probably because of the Ouija board and that I shouldn't be playing with things like that but she offered to cleanse my room using a holy object of centuria, something I don't know much about, but that my mother and sisters are heavily involved with. 
Thankfully, the dream stopped for a while. I think when you put your faith in something, it can actually help you. The Santeria Cross helped me for a long time. Eventually, though, he began to return and make love to me any time I ran into trouble. Even just random teenage drama was enough to summon him. Each time he appeared, he was taller and slimmer. His long pointed nose shortened. He became more attractive as the encounters continued on. What stayed the same was the incredible pleasure he was able to give me. When I started college, the leech's influence made my life more difficult than ever before. I started getting into dating men, but when it came to sex, I simply couldn't do it. I found myself disgusted by the very idea of intercourse with any man I was with. Needless to say, any relationships I had would go to hell pretty quickly, so I eventually decided to focus on my studies instead. From time to time, he would come back to me and ask me to come with him. But by that time, I had enough experience to know that any deal with such an entity was a bad idea. In my 20s, I hit a definite low point in my life. Pressure from work and school, lack of sleep, and chronic depression all took their toll on me. I had moved in with my younger brother, and he started telling me he was feeling a presence in the apartment while I was away that would always creep him out. I started coming down with different illnesses so much that I was basically always sick. I started to gain weight, and my grades went down so drastically that I had to drop out of college. When the leech began returning to me in the night, I just let him do as he pleased. I was ready to simply accept his offer, no matter what it was. I had grown to believe that he was the only one who truly cared for me and wanted to help. Weeks passed and I waited for him to make his offer for the last time. Through some twist of fate, I met a man named Logan before the leech was able to present his offer to me. I began spending time with Logan, and long story short, he was able to help me with my depression, my self-loathing attitude, and even my disgust for sex. He was such a positive influence on me that the leech all but disappeared from both my waking world and only seldom invaded the world of my dreams. Even when the leech did appear in my dreams, he would no longer make sexual advances, but just asked me to come with him. I truly believe that someday soon, the leech would just be a distant memory. I married Logan, and we lived a simple life together in a small, modestly furnished apartment. Starting out, we even had a puppy Every day was full of happiness and hope for the future of our little family. After a couple of years, Logan's father invited us to move into the house next door to his. He was an old man and very lonely, scared of living by himself. Once we moved there, it wasn't long before things started to go badly for us. Our dog was diagnosed with bone cancer, which spread so rapidly that she had to be put down less than a month after it was first detected. Logan's father got deathly ill and was bedridden for over a year. During that time, my parents, my parents were in a severe car accident, which 
also caused my father to have a heart attack. Everything just happened so fast. My world was breaking down. And then, on cue, the leech returned to me in my dreams. He took me again and again, and I never resisted the rape. But I still hesitated to accept his offer. The following year, I got pregnant with Logan's child. The news was the first hint of joy that either of us had managed to get in over a year of turmoil. Unfortunately, though I gave birth to a healthy baby boy, I suffered from postpartum depression, which led to a long bout of insomnia. Over the following months, I... I tried to take my own life twice and had to get medical treatment. That leads us to where I am now. Progress has been so slow that I wondered if I am even getting better at all. And in the midst of all this, guess who's back? Not long ago, the leech appeared to me in my dreams a final time. He didn't say anything to me at all. He simply walked up to me and slipped a gold ring onto my finger. A few days later, I found the ring beneath the sheets on my bed. It's a cheap little throwaway ring with a large fake diamond at the center, surrounded by tiny ones. This is the first time his actions have truly touched my life while I was awake. I haven't seen him since that night, but I still think it's only a matter of time before he consumes me. My dear Mr. X, I wanted to tell you this story so that if anyone else suffers from things like this, they'll know they're not alone. Perhaps even someone might see it who knows more than I do and could reach out and help me. Please, keep doing what you're doing. Love, Venus. Greetings, friends. A year ago, I met a very interesting man who eventually became a good friend to me. Due to the sensitive nature of this story, I'll call him Chris to protect his identity. We both have a military background, so naturally, we spoke about some of our exploits in those past lives. He had an unexpectedly haunting story to tell, and when I later got this channel up and running, I asked him if I could share it with you. So here we go. This took place on an undisclosed military base, located in the damp jungles of a remote island. Chris says he remembers the wilderness being unnervingly quiet for at least a week leading up to the incident. The personnel stationed there chalked the silence up to a change in seasons or something. There had been reports of bizarre sightings, fast-moving animals no one could explain. Anyone who mentioned them was typically shut down with ridicule from fellow soldiers. The sightings were notably inconsistent with one another. Some saw large eyes. Others saw small ones. Some heard a big thing trudging boisterously through the undergrowth. Others heard the sounds of something sneaking around in the brush. However, no one had seen anything worth defending in the inevitable argument, let alone losing their reputation over. Chris heard every report, due to the fact that he was the desk sergeant at the time. Anyone who saw or heard something off, which could potentially impact the security of the base, 
would typically come to him to have it notated in the log. He never took the more fantastical reports seriously enough to actually write them down, unbeknownst to the concerned soldiers who came to him. Some of them just came to talk about what happened, off the record anyway, which would typically end up with them just trading ghost stories. On the night in question, Chris and his team were on the far side of the island, an area which is completely uninhabited, where no human presence could be found for several miles in every direction. For that reason, the military chose that location for storing their weapons and explosives. Chris and a partner, whom I'll call Barry, were conducting the nightly checks on the magazine storage areas, which lay several miles deep into the uninhabited zone. The jungle was still weirdly quiet, but it was good for them, being that their mission was to detect foreign intelligence or other operatives tampering with U.S. equipment, or the occasional refugee group that washed ashore. They were on a road that rested in the valley of two mountains, bordered by gigantic hills, rocky and thick with tall grass. As they drove along slowly, with the windows of their Humvee rolled down, they heard a heavy thud coming from the woods, a totally unexpected, unnatural sound emanating clearly from the tangled growth. The first sound drew their attention, but was quickly followed up by other noises. Barry shut off the engine and headlights so that they could sneak up on whoever was out there. They knew anyone attempting to navigate the dense vegetation would have to do so carefully, taking time to avoid injury. But surprisingly, they could hear fast-paced walking, rustling through the tall grass. After a few moments, the sound began to move parallel to the road. They restarted the vehicle and began to pursue the noise. The walking continued for a while as they followed it with only their running lights on, before it suddenly stopped. They at first thought that they'd lost track of whatever it was, so they turned the headlights back on, assuming it was just an animal, and continued a ways down the road. As Barry proceeded to turn on the high beams, both men noticed something in the distance, approximately 30 yards ahead, a humanoid creature jumping into the road, and then back into the brush on the other side. Chris said that it was gray, over two meters tall with a small, oval head. Its movements were too swift for its size. The best way he could describe its leaping motion was like that of an impossibly nimble frog. Seeing the creature instantly gave Chris the feeling of being punched in the stomach. His heart sank so rapidly and his adrenaline kicked in so fast that he began to feel nauseous, on the verge of vomiting. He laments the fact that neither he nor his partner had the will to chase after the creature, but says that the feeling of being at such a disadvantage against a creature like that was absolutely petrifying. The idea that they were stalking it raised the question, were they hunting or being hunted themselves? Whatever it was, the monster definitely had the tactical advantages of both position and mobility. Chris and Barry turned their truck around and sped off into the night. The jungle remained silent for at least another week before returning to the normal droning sounds of the local wildlife. It's interesting that it's a known fact that many inhabitants of the jungle, crickets for example, are known to be very quiet in the presence of a stranger. Whatever that thing was, it was no friend of the jungle.
Greetings, friends. This came from a conversation I had which quickly turned into a bit of a live interview with a friend of mine. He used to live in my neighborhood until very recently. His name was Gabriel. One evening, Gabriel and I were talking when the topic of discussion meandered into the territory of the strange, a thing that's quite common when I talk to people, as I'm sure you would probably guess. As the key words began to pop up, ghosts, vampires, dogmen, glitches, etc., I noticed a peculiar spark of familiarity, of passion in his eyes that told me without a doubt he himself had seen something or another in his time. Gabriel was a native of Costa Rica. He grew up most of his life there before immigrating to the United States. When I asked him if he had ever seen anything odd, his eyes widened. Yes, I did, he said, half excited, half under his breath. Have you ever heard of Cadejos? I had not. As he spoke, I ran an image search of the Spanish word. Gabriel's eyes shifted, almost looking past me as he recounted the story of a dark night in San Jose, Costa Rica, when he was only ten years old. He lived with his mother, father, and older brother, Miguel, in a small suburb called Las Animas, meaning City of Lost Souls. The family home was a brand new construction on a street with only two houses that were separated by several empty lots. Gabriel's father was a metal worker, so he made sure his home was fortified with steel doors, door frames, and window bars to withstand the high crime rate of the small town. The small backyard was walled in to make it less attractive to robbers, and they had a Doberman guard dog named Rambo to keep watch when the family was out. The dog had to be trained to only accept food from Gabriel's father, because thieves in the area were known to try to feed poison to guard dogs. In that neighborhood, there was typically an unspoken curfew for children after dark. If they were away from home and not with their parents, or didn't have a ride home, they were basically to stay the night wherever they were, just to be safe. So one night, Gabriel and his brother Miguel were over at their friend Carlos's house, who happened to live in the only other house on their street. They ended up staying until just after nightfall, but they really wanted to go home anyway. The two brothers debated with Carlos and his mother about walking home. Although both houses were extremely well lit with floodlights, there was about 75 yards of unlit dirt road and knee-high grass between them. Now, they had made the trek into darkness before, but always with their mother waiting outside keeping an eye on them. This time she was nowhere to be seen, making the boys feel a bit more apprehensive. As their debate continued, their mother finally stepped out and began to wave at them to come home. When they saw her, the boys started on their way at a jog, turning back to say goodnight to Carlos and his mother as they went back inside. But that is where things got weird. When the boys turned back to look at their mother, she was gone. What they saw instead, standing across the street in the middle of a field, a ways up the road toward them, was a dog. The boys slowed down to a walk as their old tennis shoes scraped across the unpaved, overgrown road. They stared at the dark figure in the distance, trying to decipher it. They could tell it was a dog. No surprise. They had one, but it looked far too large and imposing to be their Doberman. They noticed the glimmer of a thick chain wrapped around the dog's neck. The eerie sound of the metal rattling permeated the night air. For a moment, 
They told themselves it was just Rambo. Maybe he broke free of his chain and got out. The brothers argued over whether or not it was their own dog as they walked steadily toward the house. The closer they got to where the mysterious dog was, the more they noticed that it seemed to be growing in size. When they finally realized that what they were looking at was not their beloved Rambo, the two young boys halted in their tracks. Gabriel looked up at Miguel. As we sat in my studio, Gabriel's eyes began to well with tears. He said that despite all the trouble they'd gotten into, that moment was the first time he'd ever seen his big brother scared. They didn't know it at the time, but what they were seeing, the thing that was watching them, was a cadejo, what you and I might call a hellhound. The black dog shifted its ominous gaze between the boys and their house, looking back and forth over and over, as if acknowledging that at any moment they were going to have to make a run for it. It stood as an imposing wall between them and safe haven. The boys knew that they were too far to make it back to Carlos's house without being caught, but that continuing down the road felt like certain death. Their best chance was to walk back the way they came. They slowly turned and started back when they heard their front door open. Their mother emerged from the doorway with her hand shielding her eyes from the floodlights. Throwing their fears to the wind, the brothers made the only decision they could. They broke into a sprint, running harder than they ever had before to save their mother. The hound's head shot toward her as it catapulted its massive body into the air, leaping at least thirty feet in one terrifying motion before violently slamming into the ground and beginning its own mad dash toward the house. The beast cut a wide path through the tall weeds of the field. The loud metallic sounding of the chains intensified as it closed in. Somehow, the boys were able to get to their mother before the hound, grab hold of her and pull her inside. They slammed the door behind them. Their mother stood against the wall in a state of disbelief, praying as the front door trembled with blow after blow from the enraged monster outside. After only a few moments of excruciating terror, the noise suddenly stopped, replaced by a loud car horn blaring from outside the garage. Gabriel's father yelled at them to activate the metal-clad garage door. Miguel hit the switch to open it, and was promptly scolded by his father for letting the dog outside. Gabriel and Miguel opened the front door and looked around, finding no signs of El Cadejo. As they continued to investigate, they found poor Rambo, cowering in fear, hiding in a small crawl space underneath the stoop of their porch. As I wrapped my head around this intriguing story, jotting down notes on my computer as quickly as I could, Gabriel's face lit up at my clear fascination with the experience. He told me, you know what, using my real name. I have another story for you. Have you ever heard of La Llorona? I told him I did. A few years after the hound incident, Gabriel and Miguel were walking home late one night after a few games of basketball. There was a rough court just about a quarter mile away from their house where kids used to gather. Yet again, the boys had made the mistake of staying out after dark, so they were walking home with a bit more motivation than usual. Like most areas in their town, there were no street lights. The only illumination they had in the area came from a nearby hospital. Their journey took them past a small bridge over a creek. It was out of their way, so they usually just walked right past it. 
But on this night, they heard something odd coming from that direction. The sorrowful wails of a woman emanated from the dark area near the side of the bridge. Miguel insisted that they go and see what was going on. But Gabriel had a stomach-turning feeling that something was wrong and he refused to follow his brother. Miguel began to meander toward the bridge while teasing his little brother about being scared. So eventually, Gabriel half-heartedly relented and veered slightly in the direction of the bridge as well. The pitiful scream still rang out, causing Miguel's playful demeanor to shift, thinking that there may actually be someone there who needed help. He picked up speed and ran up to the guardrail, looking around for a girl who was perhaps in danger. As Miguel leaned over to investigate, all Gabriel saw was his brother's body tense up with shock, almost falling backward before darting away and down the dark street. Not needing any more convincing, Gabriel followed suit, and the brothers made the last ten blocks home in record time. Later, Gabriel asked his brother what he saw. He said there was a woman in the water, just below the bridge. She reached up to him with long arms, saying, Ben Aki, Ben Aki, come here. Gabriel told me that the entity they encountered was called La Llorona, a famous legendary figure in Hispanic culture with many variations, the most common being that she's the apparition of a woman who lost her children in a river and now haunts waterways, bringing misfortune or even death to anybody who sees or hears her. Some accounts even claim that she drowned her own children in a river, and then herself. Either way, a sad story indeed. I'm Mr. X, and may your nights be full of dreams. Dear Mr. X, it's me again, your old friend Randy, back with another story. I wanted to tell you about some of the bizarre experiences my family and I have been dealing with over the past couple of years. I really hope that you or someone you know can help explain this. So, not long after my wife and I had our son, I started suffering from episodes of what I thought was sleep paralysis. One night, we were sleeping in our bed while my son lay peacefully asleep in his crib, not ten feet away from us. I'm a pretty light sleeper as it is but even more so since becoming a father, so I was easily awakened when I heard a strange noise in the room. My eyes darted around in the dark for a moment, before my vision cleared up. What I saw there, hunched over my son's crib, was something I still struggled to explain. This creature was like a gigantic centipede. Its body was at least nine feet tall, coiled and contorted with part of it reaching all the way up to touch my ceiling. Its legs were twisted and warped, as each one gripped onto the wooden bars of the crib. Its head was turned toward me, showing a pale white mask-like structure covering its face, with black eye holes and a gaping mouth full of darkness. Smaller centipedes and worms crawled all over the creature's body and head, creating a sickening chattering noise that haunts me to this day. Below the mask, the creature's jaw slacked open revealing two rows of jagged teeth that oozed with a sickly reddish liquid. Its hideous form undulated with an unnatural speed. The muffled sound of bones popping underneath flesh rang out into the air, 
I only stared at the creature for two or three seconds, but the image is burned into my memory. The sight struck me with pure terror, but the emotion was soon met with feelings of paternal rage. The creature was encroaching upon my infant son. I somehow overcame the fear and leapt from my bed, lunging toward the monster, but before my very eyes, it vanished instantly, leaving nothing but an eerie, laugh-like noise in its wake. At that point, I was sweating profusely and looked down to check on my son, who was sleeping as soundly as ever, thankfully. I went to the bathroom to wash my face and checked the clock on my way back to bed. It was around midnight. I was able to get back to sleep, but not long afterward I was awakened yet again by a similar sound of chuckling echoing off the walls in my room. As I shrugged over to open my eyes again, I felt a light touch on my shoulder. When I finally got them open, I saw the same mask directly in front of my face, this time etched with a disturbing, sinister smile. I was so shocked that I let out a loud yell before it vanished again. I have no idea what that thing was, but I can't shake the feeling that it was somehow behind the events that happened next. A few months after that night, my wife and I began feeling a strange foreign presence in our home. The worst part is that the presence sometimes takes the form of one of our children. The first time this occurred, I flipped out. It was around the time when my son had just started walking. I had a day off from work and had been spending it just having fun with the kids when we all decided to lay down for a nap. About an hour into the nap, I was awakened after hearing the unmistakable sound of my son giggling. I lifted my head and saw the little guy standing in the hallway. He ran off just as he noticed me looking at him. My eyes lit up as I began to raise myself to go chase him down, but I felt a weight on my arm, stopping me. I looked down in disbelief at my son, still fast asleep in my arms. I felt like someone had literally grabbed my heart and squeezed it with all their might. I let him down gently and proceeded to check every room in the house. I found nothing out of place. I know this is all hard to believe, but it happened again one day when I was at work. I used to work swing shifts and was on my break, talking with my wife on the phone as she put the kids down to sleep. She briefly put me on speaker to say goodnight to them, and I heard her close the door to their room. As she started to walk down the hall to the living room, she paused. I could hear the faint sound of troubled gasps, but she just stood there, frozen and saying nothing until I finally asked her what was wrong. Suddenly I heard footsteps hitting the ground as she sprinted back up the hall. I began to feel panic washing over my face, and I asked her over and over again, What's going on? She seemed to get a hold of herself and managed to whisper that she just saw a child playing in the living room. It was totally impossible for either of the kids to have gotten past her in the hallway, and I could sense the fear in her voice. My own voice cracked as I struggled to find a way to comfort her, to find words that would put her at ease. I felt utterly helpless being so far away and so late at night. The best I could do was to tell her to go to the children, protect them and pray over them. She made her way back to the room and found them still asleep, and she stayed there until I got home. So many similar things have happened since that night that we've grown accustomed to it. My wife and I even joke that it feels like we have three children instead of two. 
Anyway, thanks again for sharing my story, Mr. X. I'll let you know if anything else of note occurs. As you know, I'm well aware that this world is full of things we can't explain. But I tell you what, of everything I've seen, I hope I never see that creature again. Dear Mr. X, my name is Raphael. I was wondering if perhaps you knew what to make of a bizarre experience I've had. To start with a little bit of background, every year my family spends a month or so at our summer home in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. The house is pretty old. It used to be a hunting lodge. It lies fairly deep into a wooded area with only a couple of other homes spread out in a very sparse neighborhood. None of the houses are occupied year-round, so it's almost always perfectly quiet. Or at least it used to be. Several years ago, I started noticing a strange sound coming from the woods surrounding the home. It was a maniacal, uncontrolled laughter that echoed through the night air. It was highly exaggerated, like something out of a movie. The sound seemed to get slightly louder, slightly closer, every time I heard it. Now, make no mistake, we can definitely hear when the neighbors are in town playing loud music or having parties, etc. Whatever this is, though... It doesn't seem like something any of the residents would spend their vacation doing. At least, not unless they were completely out of their mind. The thought of someone just laughing at the top of their lungs for hours, alone in the woods, is chilling enough as it is. For a long time, I had no idea where the laughter came from. It would start abruptly at all hours of the night, and end just as suddenly. Sometimes it would be fast, others slow. Sometimes low-pitched, others it would be high. I would usually find dead animals, rabbits, squirrels, things like that, around in the woods the morning after I heard the laughing. The carcasses would be fresh, partially eaten, and tossed around haphazardly. I eventually took up the practice of staring out into the woods to see what in the world was doing all that awful cackling. In retrospect, I wish I'd just minded my own business. One evening, as twilight began to set in, another fit of laughter cracked through the serene quiet of the night. Annoyed, I sat by a window scanning the woods for any signs of movement. My eyes caught onto something that took me a second to make out. As soon as I noticed it, the laughter got much louder. Next to a tree, I saw a partially hidden, squat, hunched-over figure. I know you're pretty good with deciphering these kind of things, so I've included my best attempt at a sketch for you to get an idea of how it looked. It was about four and a half feet tall, and it had an unusually shaped head, almost like a plague doctor mask with large, beak-like protrusion. The head itself seemed to jut out from its chest because it was so severely hunched over. Its eyes were large, tinted with a sickly pale yellow. It had human arms, but they were extremely thin, like those of someone long dead of starvation. It had absurdly long, twig-like fingers with rounded tips. The most bizarre part, however, I noticed when I tried to find its legs. From the lower abdomen and down, it was like it faded from existence. The best way I could describe it is the look of freshly smudged ink on paper. The way it goes from solid to immaterial in a smooth stroke, that's what it looked like. I couldn't see anything resembling legs on it. And even stranger, the creature didn't seem to float. It definitely appeared to be standing there as if it did indeed have legs. As I stared at it, bewildered, the laughing seemed to jump around, coming from different spots around the outside of the house. 
After a few moments, it turned away as the rest of its body faded into nothingness, as did the terrible noise. I saw the creature once more under very similar circumstances, only it was near the lake instead of the trees. This was the last time I visited the house. I assume it's still out there, because I've heard the screeching laughter every year since I was 14. I've tried to record it before, but each time all I can get is white noise. However, my mom has heard it because it's woken her up at night several times. My brother and his girlfriend were walking out one afternoon, and they heard it as well. So, no, I don't think it's just in my head. If you or anyone else has a clue as to what this is, please, let me know. Sincerely, Raphael. Dear Mr. X, my name is Tom. I wanted to share a story with you I've kept to myself for many years. In all this time, it's been both a haunting memory and in some ways, oddly, a pleasant one. I live in Alabama, but my family's roots run deeply in Ireland. My grandparents have been telling me stories about the Fae of Celtic legend since I was five years old. Leprechauns, changelings, fairies, and the subject of this story the Banshee. For a long time I took my grandparents at their word, assuming the legends to be true, up until my teenage years when I began to grow up, or so I thought. As I'm sure you've guessed by now, there came a time where I was forced to see that I was wrong. The night before my high school graduation, my grandfather passed away due to a sudden heart attack, and I had to open my eyes to the legends once again. That very night, I became a true believer. Needless to say, I didn't make it to my graduation ceremony, opting instead to stay with my grandmother and keep her company. She was understandably broken up. At about two in the morning, five hours after my grandfather passed, I decided to sneak out to the front porch of my grandmother's rural home for a quick cigarette while everyone else was sound asleep. The night was cold and dimly lit by a full moon. After my first drag from the cigarette, the gravity of the situation hit me, and I lost it. Tears streamed down my face as I contemplated life without the man I grew up loving. All the memories of my grandfather came flooding back like a tidal wave, crashing at the shores of my mind. It took me a while to cool down, but eventually, I was able to collect myself. Just as the feeling of flushed-out emotional energy started to wash over me, I heard the most bone-chilling scream I've ever heard in my life. My head darted frantically, straining to find something to pick out in the low light. My eyes caught on a splotch of paleness not far away from the house. It was a long, flowing white dress. As I scanned upward, analyzing the unexpected figure, I could see strands of long black hair dancing in the wind, obscuring the mysterious face of a woman. As I desperately searched for an explanation, one word came to the forefront of my mind. Banshee. As I stared on, I noticed another figure standing next to the woman. After focusing my eyes on it, I could see clearly that it was my grandfather. He was right there, just meters away from me five hours after he was taken by the ambulance to have his final wishes carried out. 
He gazed longingly toward the house, while the woman stared away into the distance. I watched them, petrified for what seemed like an eternity before the banshee suddenly turned her head to lock eyes with me. My heart seemed to stop as the details of her legend came back to me. The banshee was said to be something like an angel of death, appearing to signify the passing of someone. Some say she appears to take lives. A few seconds later, she unleashed another unearthly scream as my grandfather raised his hand to bid me farewell one last time. The two vanished before my eyes, leaving me alone in the darkness. After that night, the way I saw things was forever altered. I realized that the world we think we know is far too strange to make many hard claims. This event began what I strongly feel will be a trend in my life. I have this inkling that my future holds many more bizarre encounters. I've had a few more already. Anyway, thank you for listening and for telling my story, Mr. X. And by the way, I'm beginning the first steps toward becoming a paramedic next month. Please wish me luck. Dear Mr. X, it's me, Selena. I have a story for you. When I was around five or six years old, my family lived in a small two-story home near the outskirts of Omaha, Nebraska. Imagine if you were standing out in front, facing the house. You would see a lonely streetlight off to the left, and my room was on the right side, kind of sitting in the house's shadow. Before I explain what I saw, I have to give you a quick side note. The kids at my school used to say that my eyes turned red when I got angry, so they gave me a very hurtful nickname. One day, when I got home from school, I saw it written with markers on my bedroom window. Big, jagged letters scrawled out the word, DEMON, across the glass. I couldn't believe someone went to so much trouble just to do that to me. They used a ladder we kept around back of the house. It hadn't been moved in ages and was covered with weeds and dirt, so it left muddy marks along the wall below my window. I got so mad that I hit the window with a rock and shattered it. My father had to cover it with a garbage bag and some duct tape. Anyway, it was a summer night close to midnight when I got up to go to the bathroom. Despite it being so late, I was awake and full of energy, so I decided to sneak and play video games in my room. About an hour later, around 1am, out of nowhere I heard a faint scream coming from outside. I could tell it was a woman. Scared, but still curious, I ran downstairs to look out the window in the living room but I was shocked when I realized that the whole room was bathed in red light. As I surveyed the surreal environment, it felt like an alien world, despite the fact that it was full of furniture and items I saw and enjoyed every day. I looked up to see that the windows were all covered, essentially plastered with some kind of paper-like material that seemed to be soaked in blood-red liquid. I ran back up to my room and carefully climbed up onto the sill, peering through the unbroken part of the window so as not to be noticed. What I saw, just at the edge of the circle of light on the street, was the shape of a man crouching over a woman who lay motionless on the ground. The man wore an orange, short-sleeved shirt and what looked like jeans. 
but the girl was dressed in a sort of business casual attire, a collared white shirt with a black skirt and stockings. I saw a streak of blue in her otherwise brown hair. The man looked up, and his face was so pale that it stood in contrast against the darkness around him. A dark red smeared and stained his mouth and face. That's when I realized I was looking at a vampire. As the shock and fear began to build in my young mind, he turned his head directly toward me with a startled look. He glared at me before sweeping the girl up from the ground and dashing away with such incredible speed, it didn't seem natural at all. I went back downstairs after he left and saw that the windows were back to normal. The next day, I went over to the spot where the attack had occurred and saw spots of blood on the pavement, along with a silver necklace. I took the necklace and cleaned it up. I still have it to this day. The crazy thing is, following the incident, I began to have nightmares of my hands being drenched in blood. Those soon evolved into dreams where everything in my house was splattered with it. My bed, the floor, the ceiling and the walls. It was like I was living in some kind of slaughterhouse. A few days later, I woke up with a large bite mark on my arm. It was deep enough that it drew blood, so I showered and covered it up, doing my best to keep it hidden because I knew no one would believe me, and I already had a reputation for being a demon at my school. On top of that, I knew my mother would have thought I was cutting myself, and I just didn't want that trouble. I guess I was pretty stupid back then. I don't know what I saw, and I know I was very young, but I truly believe that man was a vampire. Please share my story, Mr. X. Maybe someone else has seen something like this. I recently got contacted by a young man I'll call Brad. I don't quite know how he found me, but somehow, he seemed to pick up on something that very few people are aware of. It is an element of my mind, hidden in the deepest recesses, which connects me to wolves in a way that I cannot explain. I consider myself an oddity among human beings for this reason, and it's extremely rare that I find someone like me. This is my rendering of his story. Mr. X, this really started just a few years ago, when I was at the age of ten. I'm one-eighth Native American, with ancestors of the Caddo tribe. I know I'm young, and it may sound a little early to experience things like what I'm about to share, but please, Mr. X, hear me out. I wholeheartedly believe in the ancient tales about the link between man and beast, the spiritual connection that we all share on this earth. That being said, I've always had a particular fascination with wolves. When I was ten years old, that interest was piqued, and I began yearning for a deeper connection. I started searching through guides and spells and rituals that were supposedly designed to transform warriors into the beasts of legend shapeshifters, skinwalkers, werewolves. After a great deal of research, I found an old tradition that spoke to me. It was exactly what I was looking for. It required a warrior to stand in the light of a full moon at night, outside, 
and alone. The ritual detailed a spell that consisted of two paragraphs in the Caddo language, most of which I didn't understand, but could pronounce relatively well. The only words in the spell that I could actually translate were wolf, howl, moon, and protect. The spell was to be shouted out three times, without pause or hesitation, followed by a powerful howl. I waited weeks before I finally got my opportunity, and I performed the ritual to the best of my ability. I felt normal for about a week afterward, but on that seventh day, nearly down to the hour, everything began to change. At first, it was subtle. I found myself getting constant cravings for eating meat. I noticed my eyes slowly taking on a slightly golden hue when I got very angry, which seems to happen more and more as time goes on. My night vision suddenly became amazing, and my senses of hearing and smell rose to levels I could never have dreamed possible. My life took on a fantastical nature on par with what you see in movies. That was four years ago, and the effects are still going strong. Since the ritual, I have used my newfound senses to bow hunt with tremendously great effect. I can easily hear and track any decent-sized animal within a hundred yards of my position. My best friend, who is basically my brother, is the only person who has witnessed my abilities and traits. One time, he saw me lose my temper while defending a schoolmate from a bully. For a long time it became a problem due to my increasingly short temper, brought on by the change. I've since learned to turn my abilities on and off, through intense concentration. I realize how silly this story must sound, and I completely understand if you'd rather play it off as the hyperactive imagination of a child. It's not really my place to persuade you, I just want you to know that this world is much larger than us. Greetings, friends. I wanted to say a few words before uh, I let you go. I know you've been around for just over an hour, but maybe you can spare a few more minutes. First of all, I'd like to thank, once again, my good friends Nix, a.k.a. Penny Dreadful Moment, and Mr. Davis. You heard both of them throughout this uh, hour-long compilation of many of my cryptid-related videos. Links to their amazing channels will be found in the description box below. So anyway, a few things. Updates and the like. So, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you've probably noticed several polls being run, and, uh, kind of trying to gauge you guys' opinions on certain things, particularly ideas that I've been having and bouncing around in my head, where I want to go with this channel, and new territory I'd like to cover, eventually. As you may know, my meditation-style video script has been written. I'm just basically waiting to find the opportunity to test it on someone and see how it goes and see how they like it as far as the mental experience is concerned. But I want you guys to understand, particularly with 
the Twitter polls and then the questions that I ask you at the ends of some of my videos as far as uh, getting your input and your opinions on things. I want you guys to realize that you're on this journey with me. We're building this channel and this content together in many ways. So with that being said, people often send me stories that are outside the scope of the typical paranormal fare. That usually has to do with real problems and situations in life that are difficult that these people need help with. And by these people, of course, I mean our fellow dreamers, other people that subscribe and listen to this channel, people that, for whatever reason, have decided to entrust me with their story. Something that humbles me, really, when you think about it. The idea that people from around the world would be reaching out to me for help people I've never met. It's really an amazing feeling, and I always try my best to do everything that I can, usually in an email response to that person, but what I'm planning on doing in the future is opening up a special forum, if you will, for people that have problems that others might be suffering from, things that they feel I might be able to give some good advice on, and if I indeed do have advice to give on that. I would do it in the form of a video response. That way, not dissimilarly to the original intent of this channel, which is helping people to realize that they're not alone and doing everything that I and we can to help that person. And along the way, perhaps we can help some other people that are, might be going through similar struggles. So other than that, let's see, I got the meditation style videos, which, believe me, once we get to it. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Especially for those who are dedicated and willing to go through the whole experience, because there'll be plenty of instructions on how you need to set yourself up for the maximum dreamer experience with these videos that I have planned. And uh, as I said before, the first one is definitely going to be more of a mystical, lighthearted, we'll say, happy version. But of course you know we're going to have to wander into the territory of the strange and the scary in time. So I've got that. I've been thinking about dabbling in maybe some narrated Minecraft videos, which might be a little bit of fun. I might just do a test run with that and see how you guys like it, how you respond to it, and if we all are having fun, then I'll just keep that going too. Long story short is doing the true horror stories has been interesting, but every so often I really start to feel burned out with doing those. So I'm starting to get into writing a little bit more fiction and creepypasta style scripts that I'm going to be coming up with pretty soon. You guys are going to hear a lot more about that in the coming weeks. So anyway, I just wanted to holler at you for a few minutes. Let me know what you guys thought about this long compilation video. I have enough to do uh, one or two more right now. I only have about 90 videos on this channel, I believe. So, there's not terribly too much to choose from. About a third of that is the chapters from The Dreamer, the short story that I wrote in the earlier days of my channel. So, if you haven't seen that yet, please do check it out. I'm very proud of it. So, to wrap this up, let me know what you think about my new ideas, if you were able to uh, follow the rambling pattern 
which I just used to tell you about it. Maybe you'd have to be a ride or die in order to keep track of my rambling sentences accurately. And before I go, make sure you subscribe to Penny Dreadful Moment and Mr. Davis. They're uh, really good friends of mine. I've, been do I've done a lot of work with them. And while you're at it, check out my other affiliates located at the bottom of my description box. Oh, and one more thing. Sometime in the next few weeks, I do plan on doing a uh, UK time frame live stream, which will be, of course, myself, Nix, aka Penny Dreadful Moment, and a special guest by the name of Stephanie Swan Quills, another one of my very favorite narrators. So please be sure to, uh, Tune into that if you have a chance. Follow me on Twitter to make sure you're up to date. And also, turning on notifications would be appropriate in this case. I wouldn't want you guys missing anything. Until next time, friends. Take care. I'm Mr. X, and may your nights be full of dreams. Oh, and by the way, PPS, if you made it this far... You may officially consider yourself a ride-or-die follower. Hello again, my dreamers. Mr. X Dreams here. I wanted to thank you for listening to the Mr. X Dreams podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Like I said before, make sure you follow this podcast for countless journeys to come. Don't forget, if you can, please leave a 5-star rating and review. It'd be very much appreciated, and it certainly helps out. If you feel I deserve it, that is. Also, if you have a scary story of your own to share, reach out to me at mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. That's mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. You might even hear it on a future episode of the show. Once again, thanks for listening, my friend. I hope you're well. Enjoy your day, night, weekend, or whatever's coming next. I wish you the best in all your endeavors. Until next time, I'm Mr. X, and may your nights be full of dreams.